pretty good looking crew, huh? Amen. We praise the Lord for that. And uh, we just want to welcome you today to Youth Sunday here at Nottingham Missionary Baptist Church. Uh, Daryl's going to be preaching for us this morning. I'm excited to uh, hear him preach. And uh, I'm thankful for just all the Lord's having him do in our church. And uh, he ministers to us every Sunday with music. And this morning he's going to minister with the word as well. And we praise the Lord for that. Uh, we got young ushers back there. Take a turn around. Look at them. Wave, guys. Look at them. There they are. Look, they all just ran and hid. But we're thankful for that. And that means that if you're visiting with us for the first time or for the first time in a long time, if you'll raise your hand, one of those young guys has a visitor packet for you. Let's put them to work this morning. If you're visiting, inside of the packets, information about the church, uh, just all that good stuff, you could fill out the card and give it to us. We'd love to have a record of your visit this morning. Then if you need a prayer card, if you need a prayer card, you got a prayer request you'd like the church to remember, just raise your hand nice and high right over here and then right over here, Brother Bryant, all right, okay, good job, good job, thank you, thank you, Caleb, right, I got it right, right, I called your brother Caleb the other day, I got in big trouble, anyway, but uh, we praise the Lord for our young men uh, and we praise the Lord just for what he's doing. I've got a, a few announcements here, so I want you to stay with me, okay? They're not the announcements that are in here. They're all the normal. Choir practice tonight at 6. Make sure, choir, you're here for that. Uh, make sure you get your devotion. Or <laughs> Anyway, I'm reading and trying to talk the same. Make sure you get your bulletin, okay, so you can see what's going on. And then also, this is a little bit of a plug, but our Facebook page is amazing. If you like that, you're going to be reminded of the events that are coming up at the church. And maybe you say, I don't want to grab a bulletin or I forgot. That's a great way to stay connected as well. And so a lot of these things are in there. Uh, and we want you to remember them. There's a few things that are kind of new to it this week that we want you to remember. There's a choir clinic. That's February the 24th through the 26th. So make sure that you mark that down as well. The times are in here. If you want to join the choir, that's a great time to join when we're going to go over a lot of new songs and things like that. And then the other things are in there. The other thing that's great in here is check this out. This says, this is my story. It's a little insert that's in your bulletin. This is a great way to get to know folks in the church. Have you ever, did you know that the people at the front of the church don't know who the people at the back of the church are? Did you know that? They tell me that all the time. And, they, and the people in the back don't know who the people in the front are because all they see is the back of your head, all right? So they don't know what you look like. So here's a nice picture of a beautiful family in our church. This is Jason and Carrie Duval and uh, Evie and Alice, their family. So you can see a little bit about them. And now you got something to talk to them. So everybody this morning Talk to Jason and Carrie, okay? That's your goal. They'll be here till 2 o'clock in the afternoon. No, I'm just... <laughs> but no, it's just a great way for us to start putting names with faces and things like that as the church is growing. And I really love that. It just shares a little bit about that, who they are. And uh, we just thank Cheryl for kind of making that happen. Thank you very much. And uh, we appreciate that. The other thing that I would like to talk to the church about just for a moment is uh, on Wednesday night, we had a business meeting and uh, we were discussing some future plans for building. You might have noticed that the youth is growing on a Tuesday night. If you walk into our church, 
uh, you're going to notice that uh, we're using facilities all over the place. We actually come into the sanctuary, uh, both, both groups on Tuesday night, and uh, we start right here because the groups are getting so big. We go over to the fellowship hall. We play dodgeball in there with about 70 kids, and you can imagine the pandemonium that that is. Uh, and just we're all over the place, and we really believe that the Lord would uh, lead us in the direction of adding on to that building, making more space for our young people. Uh, but we also believe and know that that is going to be an expensive venture. And as we discussed on Wednesday night in our deacons meeting and our business meeting, excuse me, uh, we want to kind of take a temperature of where the church is. So our building fund is going to start again. Uh, we also are going to use the building fund to take care of some very much needed renovations in the church. And so we want to see the temperature by the giving of the church to see if this is a project that we can move forward with. And so uh, we'll start our building fund offering on the first Sunday of every month. And guess what that means? Next week, you, you did it, you did the math. Next week, we'll have a building fund offering uh, and we'll start the things off. There's also some additions as well on the website as well. There's a drop-down bar on giving and already on there, there's a spot for the building fund. You've got uh, all of those things as well. And so we want you to be able to give. We believe that the Lord is blessing us for a reason. We wanna be good stewards of his money. We wanna be good stewards of the resources that he's given us as well. Uh, but he also has brought these people to us, and we want to be able to minister to them uh, in a way that's, let's just face it, feasible. Uh, and we want them to feel comfortable and welcome. And it's not about feeling comfortable or welcome, but it's also about just there's times when uh, we shy away from certain youth activities because we just don't have the space to do it. Uh, and if you want to have a long conversation with me about that, we can do that. But uh, we just are praying about this and asking the Lord to, to help our church to be uh, in that, that frame of mind of giving towards these projects and towards these things uh, to, to let us be able to just grow and expand. And, and we are praying that he will. Uh, if you have any more questions about it at all, there's nothing that I would love more than to just talk to you about that. Uh, but yeah, that'll let you know that next week there'll be another special offering, uh, and that will be for the WMU. And so we are, man, man, my brain. Tonight's offering is for the WMU. I'm ahead of myself already. Tonight's offering will be for the WMU, and we'll mention that as well tonight. But Right now, at this time this morning, we'll take up our Sunday morning tithes and offerings, and I'm going to ask our young ushers to come forward. All of these young men agreed to usher this morning on one condition, and you know what that condition is, don't you? That they would not have to pray over the offertory prayer. <laughs> that was their condition. So you know what I'm going to do? Grayson, come on up here, because they nominated you, buddy. They said, make Grayson pray. How about it? Come on up here and lead us in prayer for the offering. Thanks, Grayson. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you you could make it to church today, and we pray that everybody would have safe travels on the way home, and I pray you'd help Daryl a, give a great sermon, and I pray that everybody would give according to their tithe, and I pray that everybody would have a good week next week. Amen. Amen. 155. 155. Everybody stand. Spirit of love for Jesus Christ. 
the glory, revive us again. Hey, are you guys singing out there? I didn't hear anybody. At first, I thought I was singing the wrong song. 155, we're on the same page, right? Revive us again, verse number two. Sing so I can hear you. Here we go. We praise thee, O God, for the spirit of life who has shown us our Savior and scattered our night. Hallelujah, thy the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thy the glory. Revive us again. All glory and praise to the Lamb that was slain, who has borne all our sins and has cleansed every stain. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. All right, choir in this last verse, come on up. Revive us again, fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. Amen. You may be seated.
God can do. If you knew me then, you'd believe me now. The choices made that I regret, oh, I would still be lost if it was not for the mercy of God.
Daryl needs no introduction around here, but I'm still going to give him an introduction, all right? Uh, I thank the Lord for his friendship to me. We've known each other a long time. It's, I mean, as soon as I moved up here, uh, I was hanging out with Daryl. We were shooting his brother with BB guns and all kinds of stuff. It was great. And uh, it's just been uh, a privilege. We've worked together uh, out in the field and hanging duck work and just doing all kinds of stuff and crazy stuff. And I watched him slice his leg open one day and I about threw up all over him and all, you know, just all kinds of fun stuff. But now the Lord has put us in a place to work together and it is a privilege. And I will tell you this, uh, Daryl, he loves this church. Uh, he loves God's people and he loves the word of God. And that comes out in the singing. He's giving us the word of God in song. He's bringing to us songs that speak the truth of the word of God. And it's amazing how music moves us and speaks at that deeper level and just reaches us. And Daryl is just constantly praying and asking the Lord to bring those things. Daryl also loves the word of God to preach it. And I love having conversations with him about the word of God and I'm just so thankful for his friendship. And uh, as things get busier for me, uh, he has helped me in the youth group over and over and over. And he loves our young people. He's here for them faithfully uh, to make sure that they have what they need as well. The young adults that him and Allison are running is growing by leaps and bounds. And they meet uh, just about every other Friday or Saturday with great activities great times in the word of God. And I'm just so excited uh, for how the Lord's using him. And I wanted him to open up the word of God and share it with us this morning. Daryl, come around and preach the word of God. Amen. Good morning. <laughs> so that was probably, I guess that was probably the first summer that you were here. It was right before, it was Bible school week. We went hiking in the woods. And I don't even know if I should, oh, I gotta turn this thing on. Thanks for the, I guess I won't say what Derek was doing. But I shot a BB gun. <laughs> and it hit his leg. About two years ago, Derek went to the doctor. And he calls me up. He said, you never guess what they found in my leg. I said, what? He said, a BB. <laughs> that was a long time. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, turn to the book of Numbers. Chapter 21 is where we'll be this morning. And uh, I don't know why it is. Man, I just get so nervous, I guess. Alice, Bella asked me on the way here, she's like, do you get, are you nervous? She's like, I get butterflies every time I'm in front of people. <laughs> I could sing in front of you all day long, <laughs> but to, I don't know what it is. I guess I'm not probably say it over and over, but the responsibility that it is to break open the word of God and to rightly divide it, I guess that's part of it. Um, 
I heard somebody give a testimony and they mentioned this scripture a little bit and it's kind of been on my heart and uh, and the more I read it just the more that comes out of it and just I mean it's just amazing when the Word of God just comes alive and just shows you so many things and there's so many things in this passage and I'll be quite honest with you I don't even know where we're going we're just going to we're just going to read it and let her rip see where we head and pray we're not here till as long as Jason and Carrie. <laughs> the book of Numbers, chapter 21, verse number 1. And the Bible says, And when King Arad the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, heard tell that Israel came by way of the spies, then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, if thou wilt indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities. And he called the name of the place Hormah. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord and he, that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass. And put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had, bit, had bitten a man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. I feel the Lord. I feel the Lord because I know where I'm heading and I know where he's taking us. And uh, let's just pray. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity, Father, just to break open your word. And we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is a, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, and it speaks truth into our life. And, and God, I just pray here today, I pray that you'll just calm my nerves. Lord, I just pray that you will use me. I pray that you'll speak through me. I pray that it's not even me. It's not about me. For Father, I pray that it all points to you, Father, and that you are glorified and that you are magnified, and everything that is said here is what you want to be said. And Father, I pray if there is people here this morning going through a valley, going through a hard time, struggling in their way. God, I pray today that they get help and that they see where the answer lies. And Lord, I pray that if there's people here today that is just caught up in the ways of the world, Father, and they've never trusted you as Savior in their life, that God, I pray today they will see what you, that your love for them and your mercy that you have, have shown and poured out to them, God, and that they will come to know you as Savior and make you Lord of their life. God, I just pray 
over this time that we have here, God, that you'll bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we see the nation of Israel. God had promised the nation of Israel a land of their own. He said, I got this land for you. You will be my people. I will be your God. And he used Moses to pull them out of, out of Egypt. Egypt, my time up already? <laughs> so, so, so Egypt, did you do that? <laughs> I know it. <laughs> so, so Israel was in Egypt. 400 years they were in Egypt, in captivity, enslaved, persecuted, and God used Moses to take them out of Egypt and lead them to a promised land, a land where they said milk and honey would flow, a, man, a land that would be their own where, where he, they would be his people and he would be their God. And as they're on this journey, it is just a cycle. It's a continuous thing that God provides and he blesses and, and they squander that blessing and they speak against God and, and God pours out judgment and they come back to God. And it's just this continual thing and that's part of the reason why they're wandering so long. For 40 years they wandered in the wilderness for so long because, because of their disobedience. And, uh, and, and this place uh, bordered and they're almost here. In this passage, they're, they're approaching uh, the promised land. Uh, they said that this place, uh, that the promised land, if you read earlier in the scripture, it borders uh, the, the, the nation of Edom. And in the previous chapter, uh, Moses sends a messengers to Edom to see if they can get passage through, and Edom says, nope, you can't come through here. So God sends them another direction. He sends them another direction, and in that direction, this King Arad, he's got spies looking out and he sees Israel coming and he thinks, you know what, I'm going to strike first. And he attacks Israel and he starts to take them prisoner. Israel then cries out to God and they say, God, if you would deliver these people unto us, we'll take them out for you. Because these weren't good people. People that were occupying this land at the time, they were pagans, they weren't living for God. They, idolatry was through the roof, murder, sin, all these things. And, and in a sense, they were pouring out the judgment of God. They promised, hey, we will pour out your judgment on these people if you deliver them up from us. And you know what? God did. He said he the Bible said he hearkened to the voice of Israel and he delivered them up. So here we start out in the first three verses, God had given them the victory. He had given them the victory right off the bat, but here we are, the first three verses, and then in verse 4. Then in verse 4, it says, The soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. They were following the path that God had set before them, yet they were discouraged. How many people know that you can feel a negative emotion even encountering something positive? Uh, that you can, that your spirit can, can touch truth, but your soul be discouraged because of that truth. 
that it is touching. Um, people, <laughs> sometimes the truth hurts. And the word of God is truth. And sometimes people don't like what they hear that comes out of the word of God. And it may be discouraging to them because it points out their sin all along the way. It's truth. It's positive. You may be in a way of life just like these people right here and God's leading you in a direction. But where you're at right there, it, it don't, it's, it's creating a negative uh, response in your soul even though it's something positive in the, ultimately in the end. And there are times in following God when we encounter discouragement. When we're looking at what lies ahead and, uh, and we're just looking at the outlook. And, and when we're looking ahead and we think to ourselves, man, I just don't see how this is going to work out. I don't see how God's going to make this thing come, to get, come together. It just doesn't seem like there's any hope in there. And discouragement starts to set in. Or, or even in the, your current circumstance, your current situation that you're in, you feel like you're following God, you feel like you're trusting God, but for some reason where you're at right now, there's discouragement. I tell you, I've been there. I've been, well, I've been in all these places. But I can remember a time praying for direction in my life, and I, I felt like I saw signs that God was telling me and leading me in that direction. And I moved on what I felt God was saying. It wasn't long before I was in that place and I thought, what in the world? Did I get my wires crossed with God? This just doesn't seem like I would have thought it would have been. And discouragement can set in right in that place. There could be discouragement in your waiting. You could be waiting on God to give you an answer to your prayer and it just didn't happen fast enough for you. He just didn't move in fast enough for you. He didn't speak loud enough to you. And while you're waiting on that answer from God, discouragement can set in. But do you know that often we've got to experience the discouragement in order to get to the joy? He tells us in John that these things I have spoken unto you, that you will have peace. In this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. He tells us right off the bat we're going to have tribulation. He says in Romans, for I reckon the suffering of this present time is not compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. He is honest with us. If you think, if you've come in here today thinking that if I surrender to God, everything's going to be uh, sunshine and roses, you just need to get into the book because he was honest with us when he said that there is going to be tribulation, there is going to be suffering, there is going to be discouragement along the way, and often we need that discouragement if we're going to see the joy he says, I have overcome the world. That glory will be revealed in us. We know that all things work together for good. There are promises that we can hold on to in those times of discouragement. But sometimes we only have a kingdom mindset when life is good. Sometimes we only want to follow God when it doesn't seem like there's discouragement in our path. But then it comes to mind, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of the might. Put on the whole armor of God because we don't wrestle with this flesh but against spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, we wrestle against powers and, and principalities and rulers of darkness of this world. It's a spiritual battle that we face and so often we're just focused in on 
what our current circumstance is, I, I come across this one verse, and it's just been in my mind in 2 Timothy, that no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Israel was entangling themselves in the situation of life. They totally took their eyes off of God, forgot about the spiritual aspect of it, and they're totally focused on the physical, what's going on right now. And they were, they were on the, fixated on the affairs of this life, and so often Satan designs those things to distract us and keep us down, keep us discouraged, keep us from focusing on God, and all along it's a spiritual battle that's in front of us. And discouragement starts to set in. And we see that in verse 4. And then in verse 5, we see what discouragement does. Verse 5, um, and the people spake against Moses and against God. Wherefore, have you brought us out? They spoke against God. Discouragement will start to get you to speak against God and speak against God's man Start to get you blaming God for your situation, blaming God for your circumstance, blaming God's man. They said, Yo, they said, Moses, why did you lead us out here? Why did you take us out of Egypt? Did you just bring us out here to die? We have no bread, we have no water. And they said that they loathe this light bread. In other words, they hated just this, what they felt was this worthless bread that God was providing. And they felt that they had it better in Egypt than they did right now. All along, they must have just forgot how bad it was in Egypt. Egypt was, was setting to kill the firstborn, the, the males, so they could control the population, so there wasn't enough of Israel to uprise against Egypt. I mean, they were oppressed there, but how soon they forget what had happened there. And now, here they are, and they're saying, we don't have any food, we don't have any water. But I don't know if you called it, in that very same verse that they say they don't have any food, any water, they say they loathe this light bread. They admit that they had it all along. It just wasn't what they wanted. It just wasn't what they expected. It just wasn't what they felt they deserved. Early on in this journey, they go to Moses and they say they're hungry. And Moses goes to God. And God Provides manna, bread. They wake up and there's dew on the ground. And once the dew is up, there's bread. And all along for 40 years, this is happening. Bread appears on the ground. Six days a week, the Sabbath they didn't collect. But on the sixth day, they got double portion so it could carry them through. God was provided. There's a couple accounts where, where God says, Moses, strike that rock with your staff, and when you do, water will come out. Not that they didn't have these things. It just wasn't what they wanted. And I don't know about you, but I don't often see just bread on the ground. I don't often squeeze a rock and water comes out of it. That seems pretty miraculous to me. And I can't help but to think, I would like to think, that if I was in the presence of that to where I wake up in the morning and there, was, there wasn't bread when I went to sleep, but there's bread in the morning, I'd think, this is a God who will supply my need. I better trust him. If I see rock, of water coming out of a rock, I'd think to myself, this is a God who is going to supply my need. I am going to trust him. And I can think in my life and see how God has 
provided time and time again. And because of that provision, when circumstances come up in life, I can have confidence that he's going to do it again. That's why I love that song. I've been through enough to know that he'll be enough. Because he's done it before, and he's faithful to do it again. Even when we aren't faithful, he's faithful. Even when we believe not, he's faithful. So it wasn't that they didn't have, it just wasn't what they wanted. <laughs> My goodness. I don't know if you're seeing, I'm seeing myself, and I guess that's why I was captivated by this passage, because I'm just seeing myself I have a feeling if you're honest, you're seeing yourself in this too. Because when you're discouraged, they, in, instead of counting the blessing, they're discouraged. And often discouragement causes us to refuse the blessing or to be blinded by the blessing that God is pouring out on us at that time. They're sitting there saying, this can't be God. If this was God, we'd have a big old table and a feast spread out and God would just be providing abundantly. So it wasn't that God wasn't. It just wasn't meeting their standards. We must embrace the concept of encountering discouragement when we follow God because joy could just be around the corner. And here they are murmuring and, uh, about and, and complaining, and they're not trusting God with what's going on. But check out what God does in verse 6. This is hardcore stuff. They're complaining. They just had the victory. Now they're complaining. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. What I get from that is you don't mess with God. <laughs> He's not somebody to be toyed with. He's not somebody to be played around with. We like to focus on, on the goodness of God in these things, but there is a side of God that often we neglect, a God of wrath and a God of judgment, and a God that just doesn't tolerate sin. We need to be thankful for his long-suffering. We need to be thankful for his mercy, because we're not worthy of it. You're not worthy of it. There's nothing righteous about us before God. Our righteousness is as filthy rags, and his mercies are new every morning. We want to bellyache and complain because of this little problem and that little problem. All along, these problems only have earthly effect, and we continuously blind our eye to the eternal things of value, and we speak against a holy God, a great God of heaven, just because he isn't providing for us in the way that he, we think that he should. So God sends these serpents out, these snakes out to bite them. Man, they thought they had it rough before. They got it really bad now. I ain't a snake guy, I can tell you that. I can't imagine a snake all around my feet chomping at me. I'd head for the hills. And they realized where, where they went wrong real quick because it's the very next verse. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, Man, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away these serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. It, wasn't, it didn't take much for them 
to come back around. And sometimes that's what God needs to do for us. You may be going through something right now, and it seems like a struggle, seems like a hardship. And all along, it could be God's mercy on your life, trying to get your attention and bring you back to him. So Moses, Moses prays, and God answers. And he says, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it on a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. God made a way. But even then, it wasn't the way that they wanted. It wasn't the way that they expected. I think they thought God was just going to obliterate all these snakes and it'd be good to go, clear, clear path for the rest of the way. But the snakes were still biting. He didn't get rid of the snakes. The snakes were still attacking, but he provided a way that they could be saved. But this way of deliverance that he provided required some trust. It required some faith. All along the way, that just seems what is lacking here. God has provided time and time again, and, they've, and the people of Israel just proven that there is no faith. Isn't it just funny how God makes the way of salvation requiring faith, requiring trust in this whole thing? Because the snakes are still biting and they're still biting the day. And I think God right here is dividing the strong from the weak. He's dividing those that will allow themselves to go through uh, a walk of life of discouragement, but they'll still trust in God, they'll still believe God, they'll still follow in God, and he's dividing them from the ones that will be so easily, that will so easily succumb to the discouragement. And then they just speak against God. And they turn against God. Man, I'm telling you, we got to come to a place where we're like, okay, God, you know what's best. I, I, I don't know what's going on here, but you know what's best. You see the end from the beginning. You're sovereign. You know all things. You've got this plan that you're working in the place. And sometimes we just need the perspective of Job that says, though you slay me, I will trust you. And God, here I am. Use me. Use me in this path that you would predestine me in. Use me in this path that you would outline for me. But understanding all the way that the snakes are still going to bite, that discouragement will still be there. But he makes this bronze snake and puts it on a pole. How bizarre. How unusual for that. What's crazy is that Jesus mentions this whole thing in John chapter 3. And he says, as, the, as, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have eternal life. Are you starting to see what's resembling here? <laughs> Are you seeing yourself in the children of Israel? That you get the victory, but then you're so easily discouraged. And you speak out against God, and we lack faith. But all along, God has provided for us <laughs> someone to walk with us and talk with us and tell us that he's his own. 
when the snakes of this world are biting us and the poison of this world is injecting in us and it's slowly killing us, he's provided a way. <laughs> it's unusual to bring, it's an unusual way to bring about a miracle. There's no logic between looking on a snake and living. No logic between not looking on a snake and not living. It just doesn't make sense. And no doubt there was people in that day, they just weren't buying it. And they were probably bitten, and they just didn't even consider looking at it because in their mind it just didn't make any sense. And so they perished. They were bitten. And the poison of those snakes was just injected in their body, and it killed them. And all along the answer was right there, right in front of them. And all they had to do was look upon it. But it just didn't make sense. It wasn't what they expected. There's people all over this world. When they hear about Jesus, it just doesn't make sense. There's probably people in this room right now that when you hear this, you think to yourself, why would, why would God become flesh? Why would God become flesh and allow himself to be beaten by people and put on a cross and killed? It just doesn't make sense to you. But you know what the Bible says? The word of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. It, 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 just, it doesn't make sense to you. But for those that are being saved, it's the power of God. It may not make sense. You know what I got to reading in Romans when I got to reading about this, and it was just, I don't know, when I think about it not making sense. And then I put it in context with this verse, that to those that are perishing, it doesn't make sense, but to those that are being saved. And in Romans, it talks about how, how God, how, how, how sin was just, how in, in the flesh, in flesh, I think it's chapter 8, the beginning of chapter 8, the flesh is full of sin. And, but God took on that flesh, took on the form of flesh. The only way that God that could be defeated was to become that flesh, to become that sin. And in my mind, I'm thinking it was almost a setup. It was almost a setup that sin was in flesh and God puts himself into flesh so that he could take that sin all the way to the cross and that he could be put to death and pay the price for our sin and now all we got to do is look on him. All we got to do is trust him and believe him. And we can be saved. The cross is the only remedy. It didn't come from a bunch of brilliant philosophers. It didn't come from religious geniuses. It seems strange and it seems foolish to the world. But it's God's supernatural remedy for sin. <coughs> excuse me. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> the cross is the only remedy. There's no other cure. Regardless of if you like it, if you accept it, if you believe it, if you're not, it doesn't make a difference. It is the only way to escape the sin of this world. Apart from the cross, there's just no human cure. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, and him crucified. It's the only way. Back in that day, there was no, when they got bit by snake, there was no ointment for it. There was no offering that they could give up. There was no antibiotic. There was nothing that they could do. God made it in a way that nobody else could save themselves. They had to rely on him. God provided the way and it was just to look. Look and trust. 
And today, if you're sitting here and you are being bitten by the snakes of this world, the sin of this world is just biting into you and, and grabbing a hold, getting a grip, you're discouraged along the way, and, and, and it's, just, it's just eating at you. God has provided a way. And it doesn't take a church membership. It doesn't take uh, any money that you donate. It doesn't take any amount of good works. Jesus paid the price for your sin, and he completed the work of defeating sin when he went to the cross. Now we just look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, and we can be saved. I think that's pretty cool. You guys don't, don't seem to be as near impressed. <laughs> but the snakes were still biting, and they had to be bitten to live. And this is where we go back to the physical and the, and the spiritual. From an earthly perspective, we're born and then we die. From a spiritual perspective, we're dead and then we live. From the physical, life comes before death. The spiritual, life comes after death. So are you living to die or are you dying to live? Here's a question for you. The snakes are still going to bite. But those that look to Jesus, they'll have life. And life is revival. Life is refreshing. Life dispels discouragement. And we can't be discouraged along this way. We can't be troubled. We can't keep trying to figure out how we're going to avoid trouble. But with the help of God and looking unto Jesus, we need to tackle trouble. We need to be victorious over trouble. We need to overcome trouble. We need to be more than conquerors. You know that a conqueror goes from, he just doesn't fight one battle. He goes from one battle to the next. There's always another battle. There's always another war. He's telling us we got to be more than conquerors. There's always going to be discouragements. There's always going to be challenges in this life. But we have got to be more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Because there's always another battle that lies ahead. And when we have an encounter with God, you just need to be ready for that battle that comes ahead. Jesus himself, right before he started his ministry, approached John the Baptist, who was prophesying to Jesus, a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord. And he was baptizing people in the river, and Jesus comes up upon him. And Jesus says, hey, John, baptize me. Jesus, John says, nope, you should be baptizing me. Jesus says, baptize me. And he baptized him, and it says the Spirit of the Lord came down upon him. He had an encounter with God to start his ministry. But do you know what happens in the very next chapter? He goes to the wilderness to fight Satan. If you are going to enlist in the army of God, if you are going to put your faith and your trust, if you're going to be a follower of Christ, there's going to be hard times. There's going to be discouragement. Satan's going to come along the way. But we need to look to God. We need to keep our eyes on him. We need to keep our mind set on him. I love that verse. We will be in perfect peace when our mind is set on him. We need to keep our focus on God. Sometimes I wonder if God doesn't, sometimes I wonder if God holds back on us because he knows we can't take what might happen if we surrender to him. Sometimes I think maybe revival may be held back because 
we're just not ready for the fight that's going to come after that experience that we have with God. Maybe we'll get too discouraged. Maybe we just can't take it. Got to keep our eyes focused on God. Look unto Jesus when the snakes of this world are biting, because they're still biting. And we need to look to Jesus so that poison doesn't corrupt us and kill us. Some are being bitten by the snake of philosophy, and they haven't looked to Jesus, and they're swept away by the philosophies of this world. They haven't anchored into the truth of God's word, and just this world, and their philosophies has just swept them away. Some have been bitten with the snake of lust. This just poison is just eating at them, eating at them. Some has been bitten by the snake of materialism. And you love your money and you love this world more than you love the treasures of heaven. Some have been bitten by the snake of pride. And you think yourself wise when all along before God were fools. Some have been bitten by the snake of religion. And you put your religion on display. All along you're corrupted. You never experienced true life. Christ. Some have been bitten by the snake of doubt and fear, and your faith just lays wasted along the wayside. And now you no longer have the ability to trust God for what's ahead. The snakes are still biting, but God has provided a way. And I'm thankful for that. This morning, with head bowed and eyes closed, I guess I just got a, a couple things as we bring this thing to a close. Are you discouraged in the way? Is things just not going how you thought they should go? You thought God would have a nice, smooth path laid out for you, but just in this current season that you're in, discouragement has settled in. God has provided somebody that we can look to, we can run to, and get the help that we need. Get comfort and strength. His strength is made perfect in our weakness, it says. Is this world just overcoming you? They're just attacking, and it seems like you're just sinking. And the snakes of this world is just biting and biting. And the poison of that world is just starting to have an effect on you. That poison will kill you. And if you haven't set your eyes on Christ, if you haven't considered the cross, if you haven't accepted the fact that Jesus Christ went to the cross and he died for your sins, that poison will kill you and it will eternally separate you from God in a place called hell. But God has provided someone that we can look upon, a savior. He went to the cross. He laid down his life. He died for our sins. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become righteousness through him. 
He has provided a way for whatever you're going through today. As we stand, they're going to sing. If you've got something on your heart, something that you're dealing with, something that you need to refocus your eyes on God so that you can make it another day, another week, so that you can experience what it is to have relationship and peace with Christ. As we stand, we stand. Page 258. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch's See you. 